Welcome to the Paranormal News Insider for the week of July 12th, 2022, and episode 522. That's a lot of twos on Tuesday. That's even more twos. Uh, and this is your host, as always, Dr. Brian D. Parsons, and we are live on the Paranormal King radio network at ParanormalKing.com. Well-rested, took a week off last week, so... Got a lot of stuff to catch up on, and a lot of stuff just happening recently. Uh, even if I did a show last week, you're not really missing out on a whole lot. But it seems like in the last, gosh, uh, four four days or so, half of these stories, uh, there's a lot of stuff I trimmed, uh, tossed in the uh, the file under my desk here in the little rectangular file uh, because of some of these uh, big stories that were rolling out. Well, kind of coming out of the weekend, so we got some big things to talk about. Uh, but first, I want to mention, uh, I saw this on my Facebook stuff. Uh, happy 75th anniversary, or I should say birthday anniversary. I guess uh, being born anniversary. Happy 75th birthday to Lauren Coleman. Who, uh, uh, yeah, exactly today, July 12th, turns 75. That's crazy um and uh get on up there to uh if you haven't been up to portland maine you got to get up there and visit the cryptozoology museum up there it's uh, fantastic you can even find my book for sale up there excited to say that uh haven't been up there since my book's been for sale but i'd love to check it out so happy birthday lauren if you're listening and of course now we are uh, gosh, almost middle of July already. What's going on? This, this year seems like it's just tumbling down a hill on fire. And uh, we're well more now than, well, about a half a month beyond halfway through 2022. So we're on the downside of 2022. But I, I look at it as we're gaining steam toward the fall. October, I think, is going to be a big month this year in the paranormal. All sorts of stuff. Not just because of Halloween, but I, I just got a feeling this year is going to be a lot of big stories. And we got a few tonight. And I want to talk about uh, something that happened today. I'll start out the show, kind of turn it upside down a little bit. We're going to talk a little bit of the uh, other news first, because this is kind of a big deal. Uh, well, I think it's a big deal. I'm a, I don't know, I'm a, I'm a little space geek. I like uh, space, stars, planets, all that stuff. Of course, you know, we do talk about UFOs and UAPs on this show, but uh, I've got a telescope, so I consider myself an amateur astronomer. Anybody with a, a telescope or a pair of binoculars is automatically an amateur astronomer. Um, I've been talking a lot about this James Webb Space Telescope over the last few months, and we talked way back uh, around Christmas last year when it launched. And there was a lot of, gosh, just the travel just for it to get to the launch pad 
was crazy. Um, but uh, it made it into space the last million miles. And uh, it's taken pictures. And we finally got to see what uh, this billion dollars and a worldwide effort has brought us. Uh, yesterday, it was kind of confused by that because they said a Tuesday, Tuesday morning, tune in at 1030 Eastern. I was all excited. Uh, I was getting kind of trying to figure out. Uh, I had to work, so I was trying to figure out how I was going to watch that. But uh, they uh, revealed it was kind of confusing, a little uncomfortable, in my opinion, if you watch this. Um, I didn't expect it. I heard about it after it happened, so I didn't get to watch it live. Well, neither one did I get to watch live. But uh, yesterday, NASA revealed a photograph taken by the James Webb Space Telescope. Or should I say President Joe Biden revealed the photograph, uh, which, um, I don't know, everything seems uncomfortable when he talks about things. But uh, it just really didn't seem like the person that should be talking about that kind of stuff. Uh, my joke was that uh, this telescope can see so far back in time, we can see when Joe Biden was born. Uh, but anyway, ooh, heard the drum the drums there. Uh, so that photograph he revealed yesterday was at that point the deepest photograph ever shown. Uh, infrared light, of course. Not real. I like to tell people that. Those pictures you see, they're not real. That's not what you're seeing. It's not like you're looking through a telescope and seeing those bright colors. It's added after the fact. Uh, the photo centered on the uh, galaxy cluster known as SMAX 0723, SMACS 0723. Uh, that's over 5 billion light years away. That's billion with a B. So, yeah, just about the time that uh, probably the time Joe Biden was being conceived, I would say. Uh, earlier today, so now we uh, fast forward to Tuesday morning again, 1030 a.m. this morning. I think they were still going uh, it's supposed to be an hour long, I think. Yeah, I must have caught the tail end of it. I tuned in uh, a little after, I think about a quarter after 11, and was watching uh, them but talking about the, the uh, five cluster, uh, the cluster of five galaxies. But uh, earlier today, the Goddard Space Flight Center in Maryland, they uh, revealed some more new exciting images of other deep space objects taken in infrared, much to the delight of a lot of other scientists and, of course, those involved the telescope. I was excited to see it. Um, a lot of bigger, geekier people than me were, like, super excited about this. But it's been a long time. We've been waiting for this for quite a long time, even uh, around the time Hubble was being launched. You know, it was thought about, what else are we going to get up there? And, of course, Hubble had all sorts of problems. We thought that uh, it wasn't even going to be able to do anything. Everything was blurry up there. We had to go up there and wipe the lens. Well, not really. We had to um, kind of adjust things and add bits and pieces to it. Now, with the James Webb Space Telescope, it's a million miles away. It's in the shadow of Earth. Or it's just, yeah, the shadow of Earth from the sun. It's pretty far out there. So there's no going out there and fixing it. That's out there. It's just would be uh, hanging out with uh, the Tesla up there at this point if it didn't work. 
It's a billion dollars wasted. Uh, but uh, just cranking it up and taking just what they've done so far. There's already people. Uh, there's probably dozens of papers are going to be just written just about these handful of photographs that we've taken already. So already some discoveries. And it's only the first small batch of photographs. So, yeah, not quite the money's worth yet. It hasn't paid for itself yet. Uh, but so far, it looks very, very promising that there's going to be a lot of discoveries, and a lot of things that we've hypothesized that uh, we could actually prove now. And uh, this is – it looks like it's working. looks like it's working. Now, when I was a kid, yeah, I learned that those images that we see, those deep space objects, uh, they're not quite what, uh, what you see. Again, it's it's uh, light being added. These these are infrared images. They're actually invisible to the eye. It's just gases in space, so we can't really. It's not lit up. You know, we see all this on on these movies and stuff, but it's really colored in, so the human eye can see it, and we can put them in magazines and uh, the internet, and of course, magazines like National Geographic, where I first remember seeing stuff like that. Uh, that aside. Uh, the most interesting thing, now the big focus was on these big color images and people were downloading them off of NASA's website and all this stuff, uh, which I remember doing that with the first Hubble telescope. That was my backdrop on my computer for years. But uh, for me, I was most interested when they talked about a graph that came out. It wasn't even a picture. It was more, well, they kind of made a graph out of the pictures, but... I was excited about this. I wasn't expecting this. I was more excited about that. Everyone else was posting all these pictures, but I was all excited and, uh, about gr a graph. That's crazy. But uh, uh, the most interesting thing about the whole entire press conference and the reveal today of the first James Webb Space Telescope images, uh, and if you're in the paranormal field, you should be really um Concentrating on this, uh, these uh, squiggles and on a graph that uh, describe what the uh, James Webb Space Telescope saw about a planet orbiting a star. Now, WASP 96 is the star, and WASP 96b is the planet, uh, which is a gas giant planet about 1,120 light years from Earth. That's quite the trip. Uh, Gonna have to pack heavy for that one. Uh, the planet has uh, more mass than Saturn, but about half as much as Jupiter's. Now, one issue with measuring what an exoplanet's makeup is uh, is the fact that they're generally covered in clouds, so you can't really gauge what's making up those planets very well. It's kind of tough; it makes it a little harder. Uh, so, the way an atmosphere is measured from this distance, obviously over a thousand light years away. Uh, it's kind of tricky in a way. And, and our technology is really actually not that great for this, but James Webb Space Telescope kind of makes it a lot easier. Uh, so what happens is we have to wait for this planet to transit in front of its star. And luckily for this one, uh, WASP-96b happens every three and a half days. And when this happens, uh, it blocks some of the light from the star, so it makes it a little easier to see the planet. But also what happens is light filters through the atmosphere, 
And with Wasp 96B, one of the great things is uh, there's no cloud cover on this planet. Well, there is now. We figured it out. There is. Uh, so you can actually see this atmosphere very well. And that's why they turned the telescope toward this, just to see what she could do. I'm assuming the space telescope is a she. I don't know. Could be wrong. But that's uh, probably he because James Webb. I don't know. Anyway. So as the light rays pass through the atmosphere, they can take the light that they see with the uh, telescope and use the instruments to figure out what makes up the, uh, you know, they can analyze what's in those light rays. And they determined, they kind of backed up what the Hubble Space Telescope has already observed of this particular exoplanet. Uh, and a quick glance by the James Webb Space Telescope, just just watching it for a couple of days, uh, or probably a, a couple of transits, confirmed there is evidence of water vapor on the planet, uh, haze, as well as some clouds that were not seen before. So a big deal for the James Webb Space Telescope. And there is a, a lot more exoplanet uh, observing time coming up and it's going to help widen our search for potential life bearing planets around us. So that's a pretty big deal. You know, seeing everyone's so wrapped up and seeing 15 billion years in the past, which is pretty cool. Don't get me wrong. I think it's awesome. I just, I don't know if I'm just not really a huge fan of these fake color photographs, but uh, it's pretty cool. But learning uh, about these exoplanets, you know, just in the last, not even 20 years, uh, yeah, less than 20 years, probably 15 years, we've discovered so many planets. And uh, there in the chat room, you can see the graph shows these little blotches and measuring water, the water vapor uh, through the late wavelengths of light uh, based on the data. A lot of crunching of numbers, uh, but pretty cool, I think, and a lot more discoveries to come. Now, there's a lot of things this this uh, telescope is going to do, not just these exoplanet discoveries, but looking back in time, looking back to the, the Big Bang when light first came. So we're going to learn a lot about the universe. We're going to learn about, uh, prove some of the theories and hypotheses of what makes up the universe around us? The, uh, they've got like five things they're looking at, but I'm more excited about looking at these exoplanets. I think that's very, very important, especially to those of us in the paranormal. Anyway, we'll uh, officially start the show, I guess, with uh, cryptid news and a topic we haven't talked about in quite a while. The uh, White House Nature Center, not the White House, but the White House Nature Center closed yesterday in south central Michigan uh, in an area that's uh, nearly dead center. Um, yeah, it's south. Yeah, south central Michigan. It's nearly dead center between Ann Arbor and Kalamazoo, Michigan, if you're familiar with the area. Uh, so the reason for this nature center to be closed uh, two independent sightings of what appears to be a four to five foot long alligator. 
swimming in the Kalamazoo River. Uh, at least one of these sightings happened near the Nature Center. They weren't very specific, I think, on purpose. Uh, they closed the Nature Center down and told people to stay away, stay away from the river. Uh, the Nature Center is near the town of Albion, and the Albion College states that it's working with local and state experts to hopefully resolve the issue. And again, they're asking residents to stay away from the Nature Center and be vigilant around the nearby nearby parts of the river. Now, they haven't, uh, looking today, they really haven't said anything. Uh, they're still looking, and I think there's only two reports. So, eh, it might be a false alarm, but a four- to five-foot alligator, that's kind of uh, kind of hard to, to miss, and that's pretty big. Generally, we only see them um, maybe two or three-foot long, uh, all told. Uh, but even that, we're not used to seeing alligators, so people generally uh, will make the size a little bit bigger than what it actually is. But four to five foot, that's pretty darn big uh, to be swimming around. Uh, but the water is warm, and if uh, somebody has one of these in their bathtub or their backyard, maybe it got loose. And speaking of getting loose, a smaller alligator... Uh, Generally in the size, we, we usually talk about it here on the show. Uh, a little less than two feet long escaped an enclosure in northeast Wisconsin and was found swimming in a small lake by kids last Friday. Again, it, it's just scary when you're, you're kayaking or swimming in a lake in the northeast. You don't expect to see an alligator, but you never know. I mean, by how many stories we've talked about here. On the show, you never really know uh, if there's one around you. You always be vigilant. Uh, the alligator uh, was uh, captured, held in a shelter after being approached uh, by the purported owner. Uh, said that uh, explained what had happened. Apparently, uh, it escaped the enclosure, and so talking to the owner, they uh, kind of agreed that the alligator should be sent to an accredited sanctuary. And yesterday, the baby alligator was delivered to the Critchlow Alligator Sanctuary in Athens, Michigan. And the Critchlow Alligator Sanctuary is actually trying to help find the alligator in Michigan as well, which is kind of weird. Uh, of course, the strangest alligator story of the last week, if you've been paying attention, this is uh, probably almost two weeks ago now. The mayor of a small Mexican town uh, married an alligator. Married an alligator. Well, it's, it's an old tradition, I guess. It's something they do for good luck. I don't know if it was uh, for water. I mean, I would stick with a rain dance. Uh, but they're, you know, happily married now. I guess that's interesting. Uh, strange as we progress as a society, you know, we still fall back on things that we think are magical. And speaking of magical, that's my segue... This show, the Paranormal News Insider, came to, uh, to be back way back. Turn the clock back. This is like a, a back-in-time episode, it feels like. We're talking about going back 15 billion years, and now we're going back to 2008. So I've been the, uh, I was the first guest on a show called The Grand Dark Conspiracy. I think it was March or April of 2008. Uh, a few months later, I came back. 
on the show, my second appearance. And back then it was a monthly show, so there's only a handful of guests, but they they were all ghost investigators. Uh, since ghosts was the big deal back in 2008, that's what everyone was looking at. Um, but uh, Dan Bouts, the host of the show, brought me back in early fall uh, to help shift gears away from just ghosts to UFOs and, of course, cryptozoology. Uh, we ended up talking for about two hours, probably mostly about cryptozoology. Is One of the biggest stories back then was the purported discovery of a Bigfoot body by a pair of Georgia boys. Of course, we both had a good feeling, as did most people, that the story was, in fact, bogus. And it didn't take too long after that show aired that it did, in fact, turn out to be a giant hoax. And... Uh, a costume, basically, with uh, possum entrails scattered on it, uh, thrown into a freezer. Well, it, it, yeah, one of the biggest hoaxes ever created about Bigfoot. That, of course, unless the Patterson-Gimlin film comes out as truly a hoax, which we, we've talked about that. There's probably no way it ever will. It'll always be debated. But uh, we do know that the Bigfoot, the Georgia Bigfoot hoax was, in fact... A really bad hoax and uh, got a lot of people involved in the Bigfoot field with that. People arguing back and forth. But uh, nonetheless, it launched pretty much that story alone launched this show. It's uh, such a big debate with people. And I knew that the story would probably get twisted in the future. So uh, documenting things through a show like this was something that I uh, really wanted to do. And I saw how. You know, it didn't take long after that story came out that the truth kind of got twisted a little bit. And we kind of have something going on right now with a story. And uh, truth is getting a little bit twisted, a little out of hand. But it's a uh, surprise. It's really not that big of a story. You know, we've talked about, let's see, uh, Justin Schmija purportedly shot a Bigfoot. Uh, a lot of other people claiming uh, they found bones. They've had uh, Bigfoot touching their car. Uh, all sorts of things uh, that turned out to be hoaxes or just maybe lies. Is that kind of a thing we could say, I guess? Uh, but the big question, especially with skeptics, uh, goes to the bones thing. Why can't we find any bones of a giant creature like Bigfoot? And a lot of people say, well, you, you ever seen a bear bear bones in the woods you've ever seen deer bones well i've seen deer bones quite a few deer bones and you should because they're the most plentiful now there's not that many bear so you're probably not going to find too many bear but supposedly there's like five thousand bigfoot running around you should be able to find one somewhere it's a pretty big animal right you should see some bones but we almost had a big story late last week and what could have been could have been the biggest story, probably not of the year, but ever. Especially in cryptozoology, uh, let alone the paranormal. Uh, but unfortunately, man, it, it, I was really surprised. It came and went with barely a whimper. Probably one of the biggest hoaxes we've seen in a while. Or was it? So kind of creating a little bit of controversy, even at this point, although people are already moving on. 
Not too many people are even talking about it anymore. So back on Thursday, July 7th at 6.27 p.m. Eastern Time, YouTuber and television host Coyote Peterson revealed that he had found a strange skull in the mud in British Columbia, Canada. And he did, of course, what anybody would do. You know, if you find strange bones in the woods that you think might be a uh, a bipedal hominid, you know, you take pictures, you run some video, you've got uh, people out there looking at it. What's the first thing you're going to do? Of course, you're going to put it on Facebook, which is what he did. Uh, That's not what I would do, by the way. I have a totally different way of going about it. Um, So on his Facebook page, he stated, and this is very, very careful, and I'll read it word for word because this is important. He said, quote, breaking news, in all caps, uh, leaking pics here before they are taken down and before government slash official try to cease our footage, found a large primate skull in British Columbia, filmed it, cut the footage, releasing on at Brave Wilderness this weekend, which is his uh, YouTube channel, by the way, uh, have kept this secret for several weeks, dot, dot, dot. Yes, I have the skull. It's currently in a secure location awaiting primatologist review. Absolutely unreal, dot, dot, dot. We thought it was a bear skull when we found it. I can 100% guarantee it is not. The skull was found partially buried underground in deep back forest ravine after a massive storm in the pack northwest where clearly a bunch of trees and earth were disturbed. I'm sure these pics pics will be taken down. Dot, dot, dot. As will probably the video by government or state park officials. Dot, dot, dot. But the skull is safe. I don't know if it's what you all think it might be, dot, dot, dot. But I cannot explain finding a primate skull in the pack Northwest without wondering, what do you believe? Unquote. Uh, so a lot of things to unpack here, and I probably shouldn't have said all those dot, dot, dots, but it's just like a large run-on sentence. Uh, so yes, Coyote Peterson claims to say, well, uh, you know, I found something extraordinary and uh, he's got all this uh, conspiracy theory stuff about the government taking things down and uh, removing pictures, which I don't think they do stuff like that. Take pictures off the Internet of, of animals found in the woods. Um, and, of course, the tease of it's going to be on his At Brave Wilderness YouTube channel this weekend, which it did come out. We'll talk about that in a second. But, uh, yes, the skull he's had it for weeks. And he knows it's not a bear. And, you know, we're we're hinting here. It's not really said, but it's hinted, heavily hinted, that uh, this is uh, Bigfoot. Now, I didn't come out and say it, but uh, it's really heavily leaning in that direction. Very leaning heavily. In the, there's no, like, I'm not saying it's Bigfoot, but what do you think? No, it's... Uh, Pretty much. Uh, I would say it's implied very heavily. Uh, So along with this conspiracy theory filled statement, he attached five photographs 
which showed a partial detail of the skull while it, it was in the mud. So I'm not sure if uh, you've seen this here in the chat room, but I'm going to throw uh, one picture, one of the better pictures of this. He did take one where he set it uh, next to himself in the mud. But uh, here's one image that you can see that you can uh, uh, parts of the skull right there. And you can tell, I mean, just that enough alone. I can tell you that's what that is. Um, and I'm not even a skull expert. I don't really study skulls all that much, but I've seen enough. I've shot for quite a few. I've uh, looked at cat skulls. I've seen human skulls. I've seen, you know, other animals. So I'm, I'm, I guess I'm kind of familiar with skulls. I don't study them, but I've, I've seen enough of them that I can tell you what that is by looking at it. Uh, but, uh, yeah, posted on Facebook. And of course, uh, there were comments, as there always is, 9,500 comments. And that was about three, four days ago. I think the last time I checked, uh, it was shared over 17,000 times. Again, as of this past weekend, so I'm sure it's a lot higher than that now. And while comments are generally believer based, because usually these types of stories are uh, unfolded on Bigfoot, pro-Bigfoot websites or cryptid websites. So, of course, the people that are following those pages generally believe all this stuff. However, this came on Coyote Peterson's uh, page, his, uh, his uh, Facebook home, not his YouTube home. So people, I mean, there are quite a few uh, cryptozoologists or people in the cryptid or the paranormal field, I should say, that follow him. Uh, that I know. Uh, so yet I'd say most of his demographic, most of his followers are not people in the Bigfoot field or not people in the paranormal field. Maybe some of them have an interest, but uh, general animal lovers are people who love to watch videos of people getting stung by animals uh, are, are his followers. Um, so a lot of people in these comments are very quick. I think even the top comments and first comments are uh, people that are quick to point out that it did not look much like a Bigfoot skull. looked like a lot like a lowland gorilla skull and not just any old lowland gorilla skull, but a replica skull. And of course, when I look, when I, I mean, the one picture doesn't do it justice. When you see multiple pictures, you see a little bit of an angle. I'm thinking I've seen that skull too somewhere. So, of course, I have a couple of different places where I shop frequently for skulls. Uh, skull Duggery is one of them. And uh, so I quickly looked up Lowland Gorilla, and lo and behold, yeah, look exactly like the replica. Now, the, there's a difference between. Uh, a real skull and a replica skull uh, in the detail and where the bones are joined. It's pretty simple. You see enough of these things. Again, I, I'm not a skull expert by any means of, of the imagination, but when you see skulls taken from actual animals and replicas, now the replicas are a little bit more smoothed over. They're, they're cast replicas. Uh, so Alexander Petikoff and Lauren Coleman, who again turned 75 today, we're both quick to, to also jump in and point out the obvious issues with the skull and that it was, in fact, a replica. Uh, Lauren Coleman even had uh, 
the pretty much the exact same skull in his International Cryptozoology Museum in Portland, Maine. Uh, so he shared some photographs of that as well. And so there was a lot of people just like, whoa, what is going on? A lot of a lot of comments were about how they felt that Coyote Peterson sold out or he's just uh, perpetuating a hoax. He's trying to get attention. Uh, his uh, Facebook thing, uh, Facebook posts really just just trying to get attention and obviously probably more than likely without a doubt, not real because people have, you know, people who know these things are already commenting on it. It wasn't like it was a debate. It's not even a debate. So of course, a couple days later, the video comes out July 9th on Peterson's brave wilderness channel. And you, you had to watch it because the story had already come out. People had already kind of debunked it, uh, but the video kind of set things straight, and you, you really have to watch that. And uh, so it showed a few scenes of the discovery of the skull right away. It's only like a 15-minute video, not even 15 minutes. So the first few seconds, they show uh, some of the video of, that you saw of the stills of the discovery of the skull. Uh, quickly followed by the purported smuggling of the skull through an airport or customs border patrol area. So it's like the camera looking up at somebody uh, who is asking if the, the camera is on or whatever. So we assume that uh, they smuggled this out of British Columbia, Canada, which is pretty much illegal. Um the 15-minute video then shifted into uh, weirdness. It came on as like a, a show searching for Sasquatch, an adventure to potentially find evidence of the mythological creature in the Sasquatch Provincial Park near Kent, British Columbia, Canada. Uh, but before we get too far into the actual video, before that video was released, we go the day before, so sandwiched in between the Facebook post and the video release two days later, uh, they basically got lambasted on July 8th by Live Science, who published a piece titled, quote, Scientists Dismiss Coyote Peterson's Large Primate Skull Discovery as Fake, unquote. Uh, the article pointed out that the skull is highly suspect and resembles a cast of a gorilla skull that is available to buy online in multiple places and pretty cheap, actually. Uh, it's cheaper than a lot of other skulls I'd like to get my hands on. Uh, bigger speculation rested on the ethical and legal precedent of smuggling bones into the United States without the knowledge of the U.S. Department of Agriculture, the Center for Disease Control, uh, as well as the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. It's also unlawful um, against the Canada National Parks Act and National Park General Regulations, where nothing that is a natural object may be removed from a park without a permit, and that trafficking wildlife, whether living or dead, is also illegal. 
Uh, if the bones or fossil were rare or unusual, it would also require reporting to the proper authorities. So a lot of speculation, a lot of finger pointing. Why would you do it? Was this thing uh, really a really poorly planned, poorly executed hoax or clickbait, as a lot of people pointed out, for something else? Now, a lot of people speculated this was for a video or something else that he was going to release. And it was just uh, clickbait. But uh, I don't know. What, what do you think happened here? Now, if you watch the video, you got to watch the whole thing. 15, min or 15 minutes long, not even 15. Uh, you got to go about 10 minutes and 15 seconds in, right in the middle of the action, where Peterson looks at the camera and he states, quote, pay close attention to what I'm about to tell you. Because I'm only going to say it once. Moving forward, we're going to be creating a what-if scenario. Now, if somebody who wants to believe in the existence of a bipedal primate living in the Pacific Northwest, I have to ask myself, why have the following series of events never happened? Unquote. So then we go into the discovery of the skull. Uh, we see in the beginning of the video... Uh, as well as with the uh, photographs posted on the Facebook post uh, a couple of days earlier. Uh, and the obviously fictional scenario, the trio of observers argued that the skull should be left at the location of discovery. And again, they pretty much cite the same things that uh, the other people were talking about, about it being illegal to take it. Uh, they did go through the debate. Uh, initially, they thought it was a bear skull. Then it was like, whoa, whoa, that's too big to be a bear skull. And they agreed it was uh, some sort of primate. And they, again, kind of made the – didn't come right out and say it's it's probably Bigfoot. Uh, but they talked about it, said it might be Bigfoot. Uh, so they decided we're going to leave the skull there. And they created the map pin so at the latitude, longitude, so they would know exactly where it was. Uh, they covered the site with a large log. And that was that. They walked away. However, Peterson, really uh, questionable acting, uh, states that he left his backpack behind. Uh-oh. And as he goes back to retrieve it, uh, he grabs the skull and he puts it in a plastic bag. And then his backpack. And then he says that the camera... Quote, do I tell any of them that I have the skull? Unquote. Now, that's quickly followed by a to-be-continued that's flashed on the screen as the video ends. And it was at that point that my eyes rolled and I got a headache. Um, so, yeah, a lot of followers of the channel with uh, Coyote Peterson were very, very disappointed in the actions of Peterson, who, despite being nothing more pretty much than an untrained naturalist, he doesn't have a degree or a, an actual honest background in animal research. Uh, he spent a lot of time uh, talking about preservation on his uh, YouTube channel and through his Facebook stuff, education about animals and taking things seriously. Uh, of course, he generated, again, a lot of followers because of... Uh, allowing himself to be bitten and stung by a variety of animals, which people find exciting, I guess. Uh, many felt he crossed the line with this clickbait 
trying to attract new people to his YouTube channel, which is weird uh, because Peterson has over 20 million subscribers. That's no small potatoes, 20 million subscribers and multiple videos with over 70 million views. So why would he do this? Why would he stoop to this level? Is this a hoax, a prank, or just maybe an educational video? Um, I mean, I, I kind of see with what he's doing here with the video part, how come we've not seen this? How come no one's done this? Here's the hypothetical. This might be what happens because people are crazy enough to stuff a skull in a bag and try to sneak it out. And of course, maybe he's going to show what happens with that or what could possibly happen. So maybe this is all educational. Uh, however, when you really look at it, when you backtrack, uh, I feel that uh, he created deception by his statements, giving a real discovery behind the photographs before showing the video to create a backstory that this was, in fact, not real events. So he spelled it out as really happening and made it sound like it was an actual discovery when, in fact, it wasn't. Uh, so to me, that's kind of the definition of a hoax and uh, kind of lied to people lying to the general public and uh, trying to pretend it was something else a couple of days later, I don't quite think makes up for the deception piece of this. Uh, obviously, he recorded the warning about the what if angle while out in the woods, or I guess so it seems he's wearing the same clothes. Uh, so the entire thing was thought out ahead of time. So it wasn't as if he was attempting to backpedal on the story. This is a, how it, he intended it to flow. And this is a guy who's he's involved uh, on the Animal Planet. He's he's been on a show. I can't remember what it's called, uh, but he's uh, you know he's been doing this for a while. This isn't like new to him being on TV and and being in front of people and thinking out things with animals. Um, it's worth noting as well that he's actually uh, was born about I don't know twenty twenty five minutes away from where I'm sitting right now. So he grew up in, uh, I believe, Newberry Township, which is pretty close um, from where I'm sitting right now. But I don't know where he's probably in California now. Um, but if he uh, would have just posted the pictures and said pretty much what if or more information about this find coming soon, what do you think? Catch it on my YouTube channel. Uh, I think this whole thing would have turned out differently. And you could... You know, I would have done it that way and allow the audience to create the speculation, not the other way around, because that's dangerous. When you're insinuating things, uh, people are very disappointed in him and his actions. And we'll see that not much has come out of this. And I'm really amazed that the story really kind of fell flat. Nobody was really talking about it outside of the, uh, the cryptid field, really. It was really, really heavy over the weekend. But uh, only the live science story really came out, I guess, because it happened so fast and it happened over the weekend, I guess, is, is why it really didn't pick up a whole lot of traction out there in the, uh, the, crypt, the, uh, the whole entire media world other than the cryptid field. So still probably the biggest hoax of 2022 with Bigfoot or cryptid in general. And speaking of weekends, go back to July 2nd, 
which, uh, man, that's a while ago. Uh, July 2nd was World UFO Day. So I hope you observed a day of awareness, got outside and looked up with some binoculars, maybe a telescope, hopefully not at the sun. Well, you could look at the sun as long as you have a, a filter on there. Uh, I don't, I didn't participate in anything, but to hopefully get my, well, it's full moon. It'd be kind of hard to see anything. Got to get my telescope. I'm all excited now about this James Webb stuff. going to go out and try to find some of these things on my telescope. Yeah, I won't be able to. It's not that powerful. Uh, so July 2nd on this uh, World UFO Day, MUFON, the Mutual UFO Network, celebrated by releasing their June UFO sighting statistics. Uh, like we've talked before in months past, uh, the results have been pretty lackluster. But these numbers give us uh, a little bit more of a finger on the pulse of not just those who are seeing and reporting these things, uh, but the field as a whole outside of the debates happening in the government. seems like, again, government's talking way more about this stuff than the people who are actually supposed to be researching this stuff. Uh, so the largest total number of sightings for 2022 came last month uh, with, uh, well, I guess technically two months ago, May's number. So you found out May's number in June, and we'll talk about June's number here in July. So May's number was 602 total sightings. And this was the highest number we've seen from MUFON since October of 2021, where there was 600 reports of the U.S. total of 483 was also the highest so far for the year, with uh, December's 497 being the highest previously. Uh, in the previous years, I've been tracking these numbers. The total number of s reports is generally at or above 600 reports per month, uh, although this has kind of jumped up and down through the years. And I guess it depends on what's going on out in the UFO field. Uh, this month, I should say the month of June, uh, show that MUFON just might have a pulse of its own. It's coming back alive. Uh, has presented a total of 633 UFO reports for the month of June. Uh, so it's alive. It's not completely dead. Uh, the United States led the way, of course, with 516. Canada had 24. The United Kingdom had 23. France had 22. Australia had 7. Ireland turned in 5. And Spain and Belgium turned in four reports each. Uh, so the total of 633 is the highest number of reports since September of 2021 with 681. And only four months of 2020, uh, 2021 beat that total, although the average number of reports per month was 632 and a half. So it's kind of average, I guess. So we're not we're not looking at a huge month, but we're not looking at a below average month. We're looking at a an average month. Uh, the 516 U.S. sightings uh, is also the highest number since September of last year, and the first time we have seen a number over 500 since. And of course, California led the way with 59 of those sightings. Uh, Texas had 33, 
Uh, Michigan and Florida had 27. Ohio had 23. Pennsylvania had 20. Colorado, 19. Arizona, Oregon, Washington, New York, and North Carolina all had 18 reports each. Massachusetts had 17. Illinois, 16. Iowa and Missouri, 14. Indiana and New Jersey had 12. Wisconsin, 10. Virginia had nine, and Minnesota, Tennessee, Georgia, and Utah had eight reports apiece. Uh, so we'll add that to the list. We'll see. Um, yeah, this year so far, a little bit below average, uh, although the 633 kind of boosts up the, the uh, average. I, th- I think we'll probably see a little bit below average. Uh, last year, there was only, uh, 2021, there was only five months represented, but it was an average of 563 per month. So it's kind of fallen off. 632 in 2020 and 594 in 2019. So you're looking at the average. It's generally right around 600, but it's um, a little bit below average this year. And it was... Uh, Really kind of, uh, I don't say surprised, but uh, interested to see that uh, some more, you know, we've talked about this in the past, like the uh, most sightings or sightings around the rise stories a couple of years ago, or was that last year? Last year, UFO sightings on the rise uh, all over the world. Those are stats that were coming from New Fork, the National UFO Reporting Center, which is not a giant uh, organization like MoveOn. It's actually just a couple of people, a webmaster, uh, uh, an owner, and somebody who answers the phone, pretty much. It's like three people who uh, operate New Fork, but they seem like they get more new stories, uh, especially about their stats, because the reason for that is their stats are easily publicly available and discernible, where MoveOn, you pretty much got to pay to go on. Uh, now I, I get the free, uh, when you sign up for the uh, newsletter, you get the MUFON signing statistics, like I said, but you don't get a breakdown of it unless you're logging into their, um, their database and looking through things. But um, New Fork makes it readily available. So of course people go through and they'll uh, download this and disseminate it and see what day was this july 10th they released a uh, a story about uh, ufo sightings the u.s states where they're most often reported and so i used to do it to where i would talk about the uh, per capita so how many ufo sightings per 100,000 people and i don't really do that because it's pretty statistically insignificant at this point we can say uh, for example, this month, uh, I just pulled one state out, Colorado, which uh, finished pretty high with 19 sightings. It's um, uh, where are they at in? I can't remember where they're at. They're like, I think they're top 20. I think they're top 20 in population, but they're, they're not very high. Uh, they're a lot lower. Obviously, uh, Canada, number one. Uh, Texas, Michigan, Florida, 
Ohio, they're Pennsylvania. They're all in the top 10. So I chose Colorado. It's because of the highest outside of that top 10. And they're only, if you look at the MUFON statistics with 19 sightings in a month, it's uh, only 33 out of 100,000 people, which uh, that's pretty low, actually. It's not really that high. And when you look at the New Fork statistics, so they're looking at a whole entire year. So I guess if I were to add it up, uh, it might be a little bit different. But again, we're looking at the average month anyway. Um, they show Texas as number 50. I'm not going to go through all 50 states, but Texas was last. But they had a 23 sightings per 100,000. That's pretty big. Uh, Texas, of course, a large population, and they've had quite a few interesting sightings over the years, including uh, I mentioned 2008 was a pretty big year with the uh, Georgia Bigfoot hoax, but also big because of the Stevensville UFO sighting. Uh, but yeah, you go through a lot of other states. Uh, zoom all the way down to the top few states. So number three is Alaska, which is actually 90 sightings per 100,000 residents. There's not that many people that live in Alaska. It's pretty. It's uh, number 50 as far as state population. Montana, number two, at 95 UFO sightings per 100,000 residents. Number one is actually Washington State with 100 UFO sightings per 100,000 residents. That's pretty good. That, I would say, is uh, right there on the threshold of being somewhat statistically significant. I mean, you wonder what's going on there. Uh, but again, they don't give a breakdown of those sightings, if those sightings actually happened in that year or what. Um but they don't really disseminate too much. There's some that they know. Uh, they'll do a little bit of homework and they'll do a little bit of digging to figure out what those things are. But uh, interesting, nonetheless, that they do the breakdown of the per capita of those stories. And, and speaking of breakdown, last story tonight. I got to talk about this. I, I, I just don't understand this. I guess I do, but I don't. Uh, again, I'm I'm a pretty big uh, nerd, pretty big geek. Uh, I'm into science. I like science, uh, even physics, which I don't fully understand, but I, I guess I understand a little bit more than the average person, apparently. Uh, after a three-year hiatus of maintenance and upgrades, the Large Hadron Collider switched back on on July 5th. And the entire world lost their collective minds. It was insane to see what was happening. Uh, social media was just erupting with people freaking out, making accusations, uh, a lot of conspiracy theories. I was amazed. Now, I was excited to see what they're going to discover and what's going on. They're going to make some announcements. But holy smokes, people lost their minds. Uh, it was kind of a moment of deja vu all over again. And we saw this years ago. The uh, Stranger Things streaming show uh, helped fuel beliefs that CERN was opening up another dimension, like the Upside Down, with their 16.6-mile loop under the fields of France and Switzerland. 
And if you go back to 2016, which I did, not physically, not in a time machine, not jumping in the uh, the CERN machine and going back in time, but uh, looking up some stories, there were similar stories running amok tying the debut season of Stranger Things to the Large Hadron Collider, which had a pretty, pretty bu- busy year back then, easy for me to say, during its uh, second operational run. So it had been turned off for a little while, revamped, uh, upgraded, maintained, all those fun things, and then uh, switched back on. It had a lot of stuff it discovered. Uh, I mean, this thing called the God Particle, the Higgs boson, was discovered uh, back in 2012 during its first run. Uh, we used to only worry about black holes being created by the collider and swallowing Earth. But now people who get their science information from TikTok don't recommend that. Uh, now believe the parallel dimensions are being opened by CERN and they're keeping it all secret. Of course, they're not going to tell anybody because the uh, few hundred people that work there and the live cameras are not going to spill all the beans. Uh, granted, the same exact thought occurred back in 2016 when a weasel was killed inside a high-voltage transformer, shutting the collider down. Now, it didn't get inside the collider. It didn't get hit by particles or anything like that. It, it didn't change us into a different dimension. Some people think it happened. Uh, it's caused what's called the weaselverse. So we're not actually in our original universe Uh, Back in 2016, we entered the Weaselverse, according to comedian Rob Sheridan. Uh, In reality, the Large Hadron Collider celebrated its 10-year anniversary of the discovery of the Higgs boson and announced the observation of three new exotic particles, including a new pentaquark and a duo of tetraquarks. I'm not going to get too far into that, but uh, exotic hadrons, which are subatomic particles, they're made up of quarks, and most hadrons are created by two or three quarks, but tetraquarks and pentaquarks are hadrons made of four or five quarks, respectively, and they're pretty rare. So this is a pretty big deal, and again, I'm not going to go too far into all those details and quarks, uh, quarks about the flavors of them, which I think is cool. They call them flavors. Up, down, charm, top, and bottom, as well as the anti-quarks. Sounds like a TV show like The Boys. Uh, Rest assured, despite the doom and gloom associated with the Large Hadron Collider and all the uh, Shiva things they're talking about with that, it's it's not going to do anything. The Large Hadron Collider is pretty much harmless. Uh, The events they create are very similar to ones that occur all over the universe as we speak, uh, but on a much, much, much less powerful scale. So uh, really, uh, the worst case scenario is somebody falls in front of a magnet and gets killed. That's pretty much the worst case scenario. Or somebody drops a credit card in there and it gets demagnetized. Uh, Not really going to open up anything. I guess it's theoretically possible, uh, but there are little black holes all over the place anyway. They just don't do any harm. Uh, but it's not going to create anything that's going to swallow the earth. I mean, if it does, you won't even know anyway. So I guess no harm, right? It's just science. But, uh, you know, even scientists, when this thing first went online, were uh, fearful about it. Uh, But again, once you understand 
the physics behind the physics. Uh, it's really not as powerful as it seems. And uh, worse yet, there's bigger super colliders coming in the future. I wonder what people will think of that. But I'll tell you what I think of that. I think it's time to let you guys go for tonight. And I will see you next week. But for now, keep your eyes in the skies, your ears in the woods, and the hair standing on the back of your neck. And always keep your mind slightly ajar. Don't let your brains fall out. But man, keep an open mind. And above all else, don't stop believing. For the Paranormal News Insider, this is Dr. Brian D. Parsons reporting. Paranormal King Radio Network at ParanormalKing.com.